Hello, reanimated fans. This is Reanimated, podcast about all things zombie. I'm Stuart, West Coast host, East Coast host with the most. H.A. Conrad is with us too. Hello. Hello, hello. We are here today to talk about Hashtag Alive, South Korean film from 2020. Production was in 2019, but it feels very 2020. And we also have a little tiny bit of news to talk about first. So that is what we're going to do. And H.A., uh, why don't you head on in with, I don't know, how's COVID going for you? Well, you know, it's going. um, People tend to be pretty compliant with masks. The rates are still pretty low. Um, The big controversy here in New York has been opening the schools. So they have now pushed back the date yet again. And it's very upsetting to a lot of people because um, basically parents have to make plans. And this is, I think, the third date that they have now gotten. And so instead of everybody going back at once, um, which was supposed to be um, this past week, I think, um, they basically have pushed this to staggered dates. Um, I believe the the K through maybe first or second grade are already back. And then they're going to bring in the rest of the elementary school kids and then middle school and high schoolers are yet another date. So I think that the next round is September 29th and then following that is like October or something. Um, but in any does this case... Mean, the, wait, does, are private schools back open or they, is it just is all schools? This is, this is public schools only. Yeah. Um, which so is what do you the, know, do you happen to know what private schools are doing just to like set they, the stage for that sort of inequality? Um, they are all pretty much from it, what it sounds like doing distance or pod learning. Um, I don't, I think there are a few that have, um, sort of done the hybrid plan, at least as far as this is only anecdotal evidence that I know from friends who have children that are mm-hmm. in said schools. Um, so I think it really just depends on the school. Um, it seems like a, a, several have opted for the hybrid plan, but that's voluntary. So if your child wanted to just be remote, you could do that. It seems like especially amongst the more well-to-do parents, families, um, that they are doing pod learning, um, which means that they're basically hiring a separate teacher for several, for like a few families that are potting together. Um, but the public schools, I mean, look, it's a huge issue because you have people that just don't have the means to have a parent stay home full time. Um, and a lot of these are essential workers. This has been the issue in the tug of war from the get go with this. So it's a, just a very stressful time for everybody. Um, and then the other part of it is, is that, um, part the biggest issue is the number of teachers that you need in order to put this social distanced hybrid learning plan in place for the massive New York public school system. Mm. So basically the teachers union had been trying to communicate um, with the mayor um, and the, the school chancellor all along and basically said, we don't have enough teachers that are going to be able to do this. We need at least 10,000 more that are available because there's actually a lot of teachers that are immunocompromised or vulnerable. Yeah. And you're never going to get go all the staff back yeah. in schools anywhere. Yeah, right. For sure. And I don't blame them either. And then there's also the issue that, you know, there again, there is just a huge discrepancy between one school to another school in terms of their ventilation systems and what is safe and how many kids can be there. 
Um, so they really didn't do the best job um, of figuring this out ahead of time. They basically, you know, were, were sort of rolling forward full steam without thinking about this. And yeah. so I get why the parents are mad. I mean, they found out what, like, I think the Friday before, the Thursday before that they were then pushing the date again. So meaning um, that parents were left holding the bag with, with no instruction or with just some remote just remote instruction just remote instruction i think yeah. um but i don't even know that that has necessarily opened up for everybody either so again it's, it's i think it's late just, in the school year already. it's pretty late in the school year so um i think that this has just been a really and you know and adding on top of that the stress of everything else so yeah. that's the big that's what's going on here um the other thing that's going on here well, let, I, let me give you a california schools update really quickly because yeah. we're looking at um Sonoma County is, is, you know, on the mend. We, we were like in the purple tier, which is we went color coded in California. I'm not sure why, but purple was bad uh, in terms of like rate, rate trans, transmission rates and um, death rates and uh, skilled nursing facility cases, et cetera, et cetera. There were like 12 different criteria and we were in like seven of them in the bad columns. So we were mm. purple. Uh, we're looking at maybe getting in the red zone, which is somehow better. It's better than purple, I guess. Which means that schools can start to file waivers with the state for on-campus learning. Hmm. And so people are extremely eager for this to happen, and I get that. I 100% understand it, but I also am like, no way in hell. Um, remote learning is going pretty poorly in my household, I would say. It's okay, but you know, like six-year-olds and three hours of Zoom a day don't go to, that's not a, a match made in heaven. Yep. Um, so I can under, I can both understand why people want to go back to on-campus learning. And I also think, you know, we just had a preschool outbreak, a series of preschool outbreaks in Sonoma County, like a dozen preschools. Uh, the one in my, uh, my town had one kid, well, one child had COVID and then, um, that spread to 30 wow. children and adults in one school, uh, uh, you know, and going out to the families. And, and a lot of people are still cons still trying to push this um, theory that children aren't carriers or, or they are carriers, <laughs> well, but they, they don't are. transmit the disease or they can't give it to adults or each other. Well, BS, because yeah, it's, it's BS. literally happening. And so I this is happening at the same time that the there was a rally yesterday or two days ago, 100 people showed up uh, in downtown Santa Rosa saying, open up our schools. And I'm just like, I, I don't know how we are supposed to... Um, you know, marry these two yeah. <laughs> very, very opposed sort of things that are happening. Yes, it's a super crazy burden to try and do homeschooling while you have two working parents. And then also, do you want your children to get sick and then give that illness to other right. people? And then that's the other part of it. So I think what they're looking at here in New York, at least, and this is just and this is these are all the conversations that I'm having with like my friends and friends with kids or whatever. But, you know, there's there's many different issues yes the whole the remote learning is very hard it is beyond i really do think that the parents have the hardest out of anybody with this thing just because of these issues but the alternative is for everything to be shut down again if you have a surge and i don't think we can afford to do that and i don't think on any level we can afford to do that and so while i think that this is all horrible um, I think we just have to figure out ways, and I don't know what those ways might be, but I think we have to figure out ways to just, I don't want to say limp along, but kind of deal with this reality and in, in that it's such that it is and keep moving forward. I mean, 
look, as a person that was here in New York during the worst part of this, we do not want to see it go back to that. And I can't imagine, and I get it with the kids, I do, but like, I don't see how that doesn't spur another surge of this thing. Um, and right now we are just at such a lower level. We managed to come back. People are doing what they need to be doing. And I feel like if you send the kids in, um, this is just going to start yet another wave, which I don't think anybody wants to see. Um, yeah. and I sending agree in, with you. Sending in the kids to school is, is not to me dissimilar from sending the canary into the coal mine. Well, right, and, exactly. Yeah. And I just don't, you know, and I'm kind of, and I've had conversations and I, and I believe me, I... I think it is an extraordinarily hard issue to deal with. There's no question about it. It's one of the most difficult. But I mean, I again, I wouldn't send my kid to school. I just wouldn't. I, I you know, just too many, too many risk factors, and you know, it's just, it's just what the reality is. Like as much as you might want it to be that the kids aren't spreading it. All right, let me let me put it this way. When have kids not spread something? Right. Really? Um, so, so usually you know, by this time in the school year, I'm just getting my first cold of right. like the next eight months of me having different varying like colds. Right. Because uh, at this point, they've been in school for a couple weeks, and now I've got all kinds of new stuff in my bloodstream. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're massive vectors, and that's fine. I, I recognize that, but we have to appreciate. The situation we're in, yeah. and in the words of hung- uh, of the, the words of hunker, in the words of Fauci, we have to hunker down, it, yep. like basically until what I guess spring. Yeah. I think a lot of a lot of educators around here are resigning themselves to the fact that this is we're going to be in remote learning until uh, through the school year, and that's going to be that's just that's just something like the sooner we we come to that conclusion, the, the better, better in a way because all this back and forth and hand wringing about should we go back, should we not is distracting while we could be just perfecting or getting better at remote learning. Right. And one of the things that I wish I was seeing more from our local school districts was not only pivoting to, hey, yeah, we're just going to do all of our normals curriculum, but on Zoom saying, how can we teach in a more innovative way <laughs> for well, children you know, whose attention my... spans do not support a, a multi-hour well, Zoom? One of my thoughts is like, God, you have all these uh, different arts organizations and museums and all these things that are also like dealing with different struggles and things like that. But why not bring some of that into the curriculum? Because, I mean, at least here in New York, a lot of those museums are kind of empty. You could partner with those museums and you could partner with those arts organizations and make this something, while not perfect, could be at least something innovative and special for the kids, right? Like do tours of the Bronx Zoo, do tours of the museums, do like have... um, you know, you could have a lot of different things. And again, I get it. I do. I do. Because Zoom is, Zoom is terrible. And I mean, one of the struggles that we have definitely seen just firsthand is like our niece is uh, disabled and she is visually disabled. So Zoom for her is really hard. Um, You know, this is, this is, this is a kid that's got, um, you know, different aides and different people with her at various points of the school day. So for her, she's really kind of lost not being able to have those visual cues even um, for Zoom. Like, and there are certain things that work out really well. Like she does have a one-on-one reading tutor tutor, and that works out. Um, But there's a lot that doesn't and they still haven't figured out that mess, you know, so. There is a movement for special ed to go back on campus and I would absolutely support that because it would be a much more controlled cohort than just opening up the 
sluice gates for everybody. Right. So um, anyway. Then, so one other one other COVID update, HA, just to move us along. And we could, I know that you, and, you and me, we can go back and forth. On, <laughs> not even back and forth. It's just we're, we're echoing each other's sentiments uh, for we could do it for an hour. Uh, but India is creeping up on the United States to be number one, uh, which I don't wish for them. But no. they're almost up at 100,000 new cases a day. And they're only 1.3 million cases behind us for that leading position. Uh, India pumped the brakes. Uh, you don't want it. You don't want to be number one in this one. Um, but and we're having a bit of a, a bit of a research also in the U.S. Yeah. in terms of um, and Europe is. Cases. Yeah. Which like any oh Spain I saw was having yeah, a few more last week but they uh, is, is Spain, it anywhere in particular yeah Spain France um, it's surging all over Europe but Spain and France I think are the the ones that are in the lead Italy is going up again now too and we remember what they just went through so um, so I hope that they manage to figure it out but um, once again though they they actually have pretty much hit all just kind of like. I don't really, it just kind of had gone all back to normal. People were inside dining, which we know yeah. now is just this huge risk factor. I mean, at least, I mean, I talked about the fact that they were going to probably bring some of that back in New York with a limited number of people. And then, you know, I'm kind of like, well, I won't be going. Um, and, you know, we, we're, my husband and I are, are trying to figure out ways because we're already anticipating um, the upcoming winter to be a hard one, um, mm-hmm. just from a, mental health perspective and so we're trying to figure out ways to stay healthier in that perspective um we have been doing i know i know this is like so weird but like most of like in terms of things that are going on that we feel okay doing most are at greenwood cemetery who have like now a series of concerts and arts things going on oh here, god the cemetery is like, gonna emerge as some sort of like cultural center for i know city. and apparently they've been doing this stuff all along but we just didn't know it because obviously we weren't hanging out in the cemetery all the time but um but are. yesterday there was a, a string quartet that was playing outside and you know they had everybody socially distanced and you know in that moment we were like oh okay you know what we're doing this this is something a little different and um everything is going to be okay we we just have to sort of shift our thinking a little bit um and you kind of go through those peaks and valleys but like um you know had you asked me last year would i be sitting in the middle of a cemetery watching a concert possibly possibly i guess but not like it's you after all I know. Um, as as my friend said, you're getting like low key goth in your old age or something. But um, <laughs> but it is one of the few places where you know, even compared to the park, the number of people and the sort of way. I mean, it's just such a such a beautiful place that you know, if they're doing these different things and we can go and attend them, that's cool. Um, yeah. And you know, but but we're anticipating a long dark winter, and I I think we have to gear up for it and basically hunker down. This is very disturbing to me that the France and Italy and Spain are all having such a big yep. Well, they surge. went back to normal. They went back, like all of them were vacationing. They opened up all the restaurants. They opened up yeah. all the beaches. Like basically every single scenario that you should probably avoid, they did. So of course yeah. they're surging just like they are in Florida, which has a typical, I mean, all the bars are opening. And think about, I mean, look, think about European, just like the spacing issue, like at cafes and things like that. They're not doing any social distancing. Um, yeah, I've seen so- a few um, Instagram, uh, what do they call it? Insta stories from some friends of mine in Germany. And it does look like just some people I'm sure are being more careful. But this one guy I know who's in the bar scene who like works there, um, 
He's yeah. He's I mean he's doing concerts. They're yeah, they're outside, but people are like crammed together. Yep. And nobody's wearing masks, yep. and so I'm like, well, yeah. it doesn't feel like so a we'll winning see. scenario. We'll see. In in other news though, I did get my flu shot, and so that's good. Um, and the nurse who gave me my flu shot basically said she had never seen so many people before do it. So that's probably a positive. I'm thing. seeing some ads on social media already, like um, flu fighter band aids getting put on people. Uh, I don't know. It's yeah. I'm hoping that we we. I also, though, see on um, some of these public health forums that uh, are going around in the county, people proudly proclaiming that they never get the flu shot and oh, yeah, uh, they're not going to get they're not going to get the vaccine for covid when it comes out. I'm like, oh, all right, man. Well, I mean, look, I mean, the, on the again, let's try to look at some of the brighter news. Um, I think there's probably going to be less flu and it already seems to be a little bit um the numbers are not what they normally see, and it's probably because people have been wearing masks and social distancing. So yeah. it's not able to spread as it usually is, and plus with kids out of school usually. Mm-hmm. I mean, that tends to be the biggest vectors in terms of, of it's getting It's early, it. though, in the season still. Mm, but it starts hitting in different parts of the U.S. And they oh, right. It seen, hits the East Coast first, right? Yeah, and they're not <laughs> – it, I mean, they're not even – and also with people not flying as much, you know, kind of going like across – around the world and that kind of thing. So they're normally like normally they're seeing just a much different level and they're not quite seeing the numbers that they normally do. So hopefully that's positive news. So it won't be a double, a double whammy for everybody. Um, and maybe that's the kind of thing we need, right? A light flu season. Yeah. So we can continue to cope with, with COVID. COVID. Is... Um, and that's, so, and, yeah. And so that's the, that's the sort of gist of what's going on here. Um, <laughs> let's, let's go then to some undead news because cool. COVID um man we've been talking about it for since january uh since january 6th i believe was the first episode that we started talking about covid and so i'm not looking forward to that anniversary nope um although maybe we'll have some good news by then we'll see so in undead news there were a couple there's very little out there there were a couple of articles one was a um more of like a fan update that amc has um is trying to direct some of its fans towards Twitch. And I think this is potentially good news because if they are trying to, it basically just means that AMC and, and the walking dead world, I think this is for mostly for the walking dead world unknown. Is that what it's called? I keep forgetting what that show is called. The new world, something like that. Yep. The third spinoff. I think that it's, an option, an option, or an opportunity. They're like seeking an opportunity to branch into new audiences, and it'll be something for like some of those webisodes they could they could air now on Twitch, which I already watched a fair amount of stuff on Twitch. Not so much uh, entertainment media. I mean, that's using the air quotes. I watch video games on Twitch, and I watch talk shows for Dungeons and Dragons and stuff like that on Twitch. I have not yet watched like highly produced content on Twitch. So it'll be kind of interesting mm-hmm. to see what they decide to put out on that outlet. Yeah, I, you know, it's not a, pl- I know a lot of people use it and it's a very popular platform. Um, I've never done it. So, you know, but I can see just looking at the different things that they're they're advertising here, how that could be kind of exciting. Um, so we'll have to see, but I have a feeling it's going to be pretty popular. So... Yeah, depending on how they use it, you know, it's just, we'll see. I'll I'll keep an eye on it for sure. Yeah, uh, the next article was from Den of Geek, and it's it's kind of interesting. I'm like sort of like, well, why did this come out now? And I think they're just sort of grasping for certain 
pieces of content, but it's basically uh, the question is why the military in the U.S. failed to stop uh, the zombie apocalypse in the world of The Walking Dead. Um, and it goes through a lot of different scenarios and the numbers and basically stealing a lot uh, from Max Brooks, World War Z, and that kind of thing, just the statistics and things like that and the what it would take to, to basically... Um, tamp down a zombie horde of the magnitude that they talk about in The Walking Dead. Um, and part of why I threw this in there is just because we talk about this sometimes, but did you have any did you have any thoughts on this? I mean, it's kind of a pretty specific kind of topic, but not shocking. Um, yeah, it's mostly, I think, where this article goes is that the supply chains would break down something that you and I have spoken about yeah. before on this very podcast. And I don't disagree with them, I, but I also feel like this article is a little bit derivative and, and uh, about five or six years too late to the to the conversation. Well, um, I, but you yeah, know, one thing occurred to me, though, because I think there I don't know, like if you apply some of this logic to say COVID and what's happened with the supply chains um, just from PPE and things like that, I guess you could draw some conclusions, but they don't even go there. They're just talking about the walking dead. So and, yeah. and specifically artillery. But point um, taken supply chains have been something that people were very concerned about. And obviously the toilet paper supply chain hit some real snags. Uh, yeah, back weirdly, in uh, March, weirdly, April. I mean, we never really had a toilet paper limitation here. Um, we didn't, I mean, you wouldn't be able to get all the brands, but we never actually had them all sell out as far as I know. Oh man, it was um, impossible for a good five weeks, I think, to get toilet paper here. Wow. Um, luckily I'm crazy and I always have some on hand, so that's all good. So maybe we did run out and I didn't I know. Too, I too buy, buy the by the case and always I, have i am i it's fr from being in a large family it's one thing i won't ever it's it is a nutty thing and my husband makes fun of me bill makes fun of me all the time about it actually <laughs> he's like we're two people we don't need this and i'm like yes we do <laughs> and see this time we did um but anyway um recently what we've actually been noticing is that there's been um a paper towel shortage so huh. that's the only thing that we've seen. And I was like, huh. And then I saw this whole article about it. And again, it's like they only make as much. And I guess people must, they don't like sort of stock up or have a huge You don't huge want it sitting pass. on a shelf that you have to pay for. Yeah. Right. So I guess they just didn't anticipate the demand and people are still hoarding it. And I have seen this. So, you know, there we we did. I mean, it's not like it was a big deal. We We didn't really run out. We just found some and got it but it's like it is a lot more like it they have definitely jacked up the prices for it which is sort of it's incredibly um the fact that you're paying like almost like six bucks a roll or something like that's crazy so anyway so that's all that's going on here on that end of things um all right so that, that kind of wraps up unfortunately what we had for news yep so that brings us to alive hashtag alive our uh korean south korean film like I said at the uh, at the start of the show, it was it was uh, filmed, produced, and filmed in in twenty nineteen, mm -hmm. and then released. Uh, in, I, I, it was one of the first films to come back into theaters in Korea. Yeah, but it just came out uh, so June twenty fourth actually in South Korea. It came back to theaters, and and was the top film in South Korea until it was bumped off by Peninsula, amusingly yes. enough. So just apparently, zombie movies are really the zeitgeist right now in South yeah. Korea. I get it. Um, but, you know, and you may not think that this ties into our, our last discussion point about Max Brooks, but 
while I was watching this, and even when I saw the trailer for this, I kept thinking that this really sounded familiar. This whole storyline sounded very familiar to me, and it is. And there is this whole uh, storyline in World War Z where there is this basically shut-in gamer guy, um, though in this case it's in Japan, and he basically has to figure a way and he I think he repels down off of his balcony and everything like that and um but a very similar scenario um so much so that I was hoping that that's the turn that this film would take and it doesn't but okay because um, in the in the book yeah that kid ends up like in some sort of weird studio ghibli uh connecting with a with a blind samurai in the woods in, yep. in a very strange sort of very Japanese feel yep. <laughs> at the um, end of that. And that's not the way um, they go hit with this one. But like even the stuff with like, you know, hit, like the gamer is kind of lost because he doesn't really deal with the outside world that much. Everything's with his friends online, um, even down to the fact that I think he was out of food or hadn't gone shopping in a long time, only had like a few like meager supplies in his apartment. And they take that to a different level in this film, but it's the same premise. So I'm wondering if this is what I tried to find um, interviews and I haven't yet been successful. I haven't been digging that deeply, but I wanted to know if this was possibly inspired by this, although I don't know if they would have said that. Um, But it felt very much along the same lines in terms of that and like just taking it a little bit further. Um, And then this is also reminiscent of that French uh, movie the what the world uh, the night eats the world mm-hmm. um, where we we saw our friend and you know the thing that you and I both liked about it was that you kind of saw the evolution of the the lonely apartment guy um, but in this case he actually does um, at at his darkest moment uh, realizes that there is another survivor that is not a figment of his imagination um, and here's here's a crazy tie in now H A this film was directed by Cho Il Hyung. And screenplay was developed by Cho Il-hyung and a guy called Matt Naylor. And the film is based on Alone by Matt Naylor. Alone is the film that we are excited to see coming out in October, uh, starring Donald, well, with Donald Sutherland playing a role. And so we have talked about this. We've already acknowledged that these kind of look similar. We've acknowledged that, yeah, they kind of look like Night Eats the World. And so there is a definite through line between at least alone and this film because there's actually a dude in common and uh, a an acknowledgement that that uh, hashtag alive is based on alone. So we'll have uh-huh. to see when that film comes out how many other comparisons we can draw. I, I wonder if one of them was like, "Hey, I'm doing this. Oh, I'm doing this too. Let's let's just team up so they're like semi connected, or maybe one is the." The South Korean version of the I don't know, um, but either way, yeah, we'll have to we'll have to watch and sort of make some comparisons. But that's interesting. I didn't realize that they had that commonality. I so. only just made that connection myself. But that's what happens ah. a lot on Reanimated. Is I have realizations um, that HA is usually way ahead of me on. Ah. Uh, in this case, however, so we our hero is Oh Jun Woo or Oh Jun Woo. They, they spell it differently in the subtitles than they do in this Wikipedia page. So it's a little... And you know how we do with Korean subtitles. names and pronunciations. <laughs> yes, oh, yeah. So are. the default language was English dub for me on Netflix. Did you watch it the whole way through on English dub? Um, No. You no. switched it up? 
I switched it up. Although I feel like mine didn't do the English dub. It was all sub. It was all um, just the. How do they pick for us which one they think we need? It's very curious. I don't know, but my only thought was maybe it had kept my settings from Kingdom. Yeah, I mean, but I was. You did I mean, the same I, thing, huh? I thought I did. Either way, I I went back and forth a few times. Um, it was it's easier to pay attention for me when it's an English dub sometimes. Yeah. And and then um. I did switch to Korean just because I wanted to hear. There, there's some stuff uh, around the two thirds mark of the movie where they're trying, they're making out. Um, Morris sixty two, which is his his um, pseudonym, his mm-hmm. gamer tag. They're making out that he's like a complete moron who has no inner monologue or yeah. no filter, and I was like, what is he actually sounding like when he's saying these things in Korean? So I switched it back yeah. to that. Uh, but I watched a lot of it in English this time, for sure. This uh, so this that that brings us yeah like I was trying to say, that brings us to our character, our hero Morris sixty two, Jun U or Ojun U. He is a a shut in, and I for the longest time I think throughout the entire film basically thought that he lived in that apartment by himself because he was a successful streamer. But everything I'm reading, and there are a couple of clues in the film, suggest that he—that's his parents' apartment, and it is yeah. very clean and nicely decorated. Not, it doesn't look like the kind of place where this dude <laughs> would live yeah. by himself. Yeah. But you would never see his his sister's bedroom or his parents' bedroom. No, which... and also they never. I guess is the sister supposed to be with the parents? I suppose. Um, yeah. But like. There's, yeah, there's no other reference. Like, and you you just sort of see, I guess you see his bedroom at the beginning and he kind of like wanders in there a few times, but generally you just see the living space. You don't yeah. see any other, which is interesting because, you know, he's got he's got a lot of time to kill. And you, I mean, I guess they were trying to make it seem more claustrophobic and things like that, but I thought that was kind of weird that we and never saw that. It certainly led to my thinking that he lived in a one-bedroom apartment and that he was must have been just a really successful YouTuber or a semi-successful YouTuber who made enough to live in a nice-looking place. Um, and it's, yeah, curious. I mean, when he goes into some of the other apartments in the building later, you do see more bedrooms. Yeah. So it's but a little surprising that they wouldn't have explored that. Right. Because they probably all have the same floor plan, or a lot of them do. The setting here is um, kind of some dense housing Three, probably, yeah. I think it's three apartment buildings set in like a U shape, mm-hmm. and um, this is worker housing. And I think it's kind of interesting to me. I was reading a lot into this with like this look at um, dense working class housing and its effect on transmission. Yep. Uh, so there's a lot of COVID parallels, obviously here and zombie, because that that's why we talk about transmission on this show so much is because they are related. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. Uh, what did you think of the setting? Well, I mean, I mean, it definitely makes sense given uh, what and even what we've been seeing with COVID. I mean, especially here in the city, a lot of the more dense like apartment complexes and things like that where people didn't have the means to live the city, means to leave the city. Um, those tended to be higher transmission rates, um, not just because of the close proximity that people were living in, but also because of ventilation systems. Um mm. And you're also talking about a lot of people who are essential workers who didn't have the luxury of of sort of escaping the city or or basically staying inside all the time. So um, so I do I do think that that makes sense just from a logistical level in terms of like what this would look like. Um, 
And so, and I also thought it was an interesting, I did like the camera work because especially even from the beginning and they jump into this really quickly. Mm. Um, like the overhead shots just show the density and like, and the, the sort of pans that they do of the apartment complex. You can get the sense of how closely people are living to each other and that they can't really avoid each other. And you, you couldn't avoid this probably. Um, and it's, and it's unusual. I mean, the only reason why, um, our main character here, the first one that we learned about, um, why he is, uh, Junu is, um, why he is okay is because he's basically slept through a lot of this and he's been just locked in the apartment. Um, And I will say that there are parts, just even from the beginning, like when he starts to see what's happening, because it jumped, like it's, it's pretty much like, He's conscious. He gets online, and then yeah, he wakes friends... up, logs in. He's he's online for thirty seconds yeah. before somebody's like, "What's going on outside?" Now I will say this, and this was the part that I was like, "Oh come on," um, and I know why they did it, and I get it according to the storyline and whatever. But the stuff he is witnessing outside. You are not going to leave that apartment. You are not going to open that door. No way. Like you can hear people running around like and you're yeah. watching people like eat each other. And he, I mean, it's not like he missed that fact. He's, He's got some sort of denial going on to maybe. open his front door and let in his neighbor, uh, yeah. which is one of the, well, you know, the first but, major obstacles he has to deal right. with. Right. And the neighbor like doesn't exactly like it's not he just like pushes his way in. Um, and, you know, look, I think we've got to do this for a couple of reasons. One, it gives him firsthand knowledge of what's happening and us firsthand knowledge of what's happening and while the the guy in the news is talking about the symptoms we can see this once the neighbor comes out of the bathroom again and i will say the effect is pretty terrifying and good in terms of what this virus or whatever this thing is um and we have the information that the neighbor's brother was infected um and we we see this play out later on in the in the film um but this is like really and we also see sort of the progression of whatever this virus is which is that people can seem very normal even seconds before this hits and it hits really fast um and the first time we see that without needing to let or open the door yeah yeah is the girl uh there's a a woman standing with a meat cleaver outside of the opposite building the building where we eventually know that you is inside yeah uh there's a woman standing on the stairs with a meat cleaver and then a little girl well a teen girl maybe walks Mm -hmm. up to her going mom mom and the and they hug and um and then suddenly uh yeah, there's, there's, I think, a bit of a muscle spasm and then some biting yeah. and chewing and eating. Uh, so, yeah, within seconds before turning to a zombie, this little girl seemed completely normal. I couldn't even see any bites on her. And it led nope. me to think, is this just like airborne, you know? Yeah. Uh, it turns out, no, thank goodness, because otherwise that would have been a, <laughs> that would have been even harder. However, yeah. it might as well be airborne because this apartment complex seems to get taken over in yeah. seconds. Yeah. Um, and so you, you, you see that the effects are good. The makeup effects are good. The sound effects, like the spine sound, like where the body is kind of like wrenching around with the Mm. virus is pretty good. Yeah. The title Um, credits keep playing that up too, right? It was kind of an interesting title credits uh, sequence with a lot of close ups of some guy's back. And then they even went to the extent of putting some like gray mud on a guy and, yeah. and having him make the same contorted uh, back movements. Thing like they found a back doing. actor, an yeah. actor with extreme back muscle, muscle manipulation skills. And then just said, pop your back a lot. And yeah, and, like, like yeah. just contort a little bit. Just be There's, like really weird yeah. and contorted. Like, 
Amazing. Here's some um, CG of a heart beating, and uh, we'll call it there. I mean, it was. It, I'm not. I'm not trying to poke too much fun at it, but it was a little bit like, all right. I mean, it was. It was moody. It set the scene. It set like your your expectation for where this film was going to go, but it did feel also a little bit out of place with the rest of the movie. It it did. Um, but that's all right. I mean, you know, I'll, I'll, in any case, like his interaction with the neighbor, not just. Um, and it is impressive. Like he man- it's interesting because it's almost like the neighbor is about to leave and forgets he's about to leave. And so, uh, uh, Juno <laughs> is able to like push him out of the room. Um, and he has that moment where he's almost going to get in. So I thought that that was pr- pretty well choreographed. Um, but I just like the politeness where he's just like, I mean, he takes action pretty quickly. He gets a knife. He's like, okay, this guy's not right. And gets him out of his apartment and good for him. Um, but then the, the, the other guy who's newly turned um, gets taken out by this massive other zombie out in the hallway. Um, and, and dragged away like he's going to... Yeah. Just and like they've been talking on TV about how they were cannibals. And I'm like, but they're yep. eating each other? Which do, you don't see really again. Yeah. Like when the, when the policewoman gets eaten, she appears again very soon as a zombie. Yeah. She's not yeah. getting eaten somewhere by the rest no, of the zombies. No, um, But I wonder if it's just like when they're supposed to first turn and all that kind of thing. Mm. But in any case, um, it sets a stage pretty neatly and very early. So I kind of liked that they did that. Um, and... Um, you know, it it pretty also pretty quickly goes into almost too quickly, I think, into his like level of of sort of despair and whatever. I mean, he's got very limited supplies. He's um, he's really like, um, but it, it's sort of like I feel like some of this wouldn't have hit him immediately, and it seems like he's getting this sort of emotional thing pretty early on. Um, though I would imagine, I mean, look, he's like some of the, one of the things he's doing, he's, he's like going through his father's, uh, scotch. Um, so he's probably pretty drunk a lot That's of That's by like day two or three. Yeah, though. yeah, yeah. But like, you know, he's, he's. Or is it even further along? Because um, the, the, w- the way that they turn things off on this is, is curious. Like internet goes out on day yeah. two. Power stays on until like day 15. Yeah. Or longer. Uh, water is before power, yep. as I recall, because he knocks over one of his yep, yep. last water bottles. And I, I mean, my inner monologue, of course, is going, "All right, uh, if you, they're saying you need food and water for sixty days. Yeah, wouldn't fill you your put stuff around? Up. Like, wouldn't you put stuff away? Like when they? I mean, so it's not like he didn't know that, right? Yeah. Um. So that like, bothered me. Pour out bit. all the scotch and just fill all those bottles with water, for instance. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I guess the scotch was also the only other clue that his and the flashback he has or the hallucination that his mm-hmm. parents live here because yeah. he apologizes to his dad when he breaks into the or when he goes into the liquor cabinet. Yeah. But that does appear to be all he drinks for like two weeks. Yeah. Almost. Which, by the way, I just don't think I mean, I think you would be so dehydrated. Yeah. Um, I don't know that you'd be good to anybody, but. Anyway, so they've got that going on. And I I mean, so compared to, say, The Night Eats the World, which I felt was a lot more realistic in terms of that progression. Well, that was a zombie nerds uh, film. Dream. I know, I know. Um, I just felt like it didn't totally hit with me. And it may also be like, you know, 
they this was a little bit more dramatic and whatever and this I do kid think, this kid's like a non-functional adult yeah no and maybe. i know and i think that's what they were trying to do yeah. with it and clearly he doesn't have the tools to cope with this and a lot of things and they do show him evolve a bit during this um but they get him to this state of despair so much so that he is going to off himself and because he not not just because he's like oh this is all overwhelming but he actually hears his family they leave him a voicemail yeah. as they're getting eaten apparently <laughs> yeah like, so that's it, like they're, they're very likely all dead uh, and that is what pushes him over the edge and i get yeah. it and i get that too so but he but this is where enters our our other main character um who uh, uh, Yubin, who is in the complex across the way and has been watching him um, and she saves him um, or helps him save himself because then he realizes somebody else is there. Um, and they do have funny exchanges, the one that you were talking about, like um, with the use of his drone, they manage to uh, send supplies back and forth to each other. Here's, um, here's a problem with that, right? They, they, they do send this cooler she yeah. slides it to him, and it appears that she must be on a floor above him because of yeah. how easily it slides down. And then he sends it back, and again, it's just like, we know that they're on the same floor. The rope would dip in the middle, and the cooler would stay yep. right there in the middle. of the... Yes, it would. So not 100% on board with this. Um, System, but yes. I'm glad, I'm glad that they figured out a way to make it work with yep. the magic of television. Um, but there's also like great, I mean, I liked how they mixed up these scenes and they mixed up some of the drama. This could get pretty boring pretty quickly, but they also have, um, one of the things that you glean from the news reports is that certain, um, zombies sort of remember their vocations, which leads into this firefighter zombie being able to like scale a wall up to where she is. Um, and they, they, the use of the table was really great. Like it Mm -hmm. knocks her out. Um, and then you have um, um, basically um, she ultimately saves herself, but you definitely have uh, Junu um, trying to save her with a drone. And so there's some like there's some good moments with that, which helps bond them together and gives them a level of trust with each other, which then makes sense as they move into the next thing. Um, but he also has, I mean, look, he, before this, was definitely not going out and basically saying, I'm never going out. But in this case, he he ultimately forges for supplies um, in the neighbor's place, who turns out to be this crazy survivalist. And personally, all I was thinking, I mean, I know he ran into issues in there, but man, <laughs> all that stuff in there was so helpful. Like, it was a treasure trove, man. Like, you know that there know. were axes and, and other yeah, pickaxes like, and, and good stuff in there, but he didn't. He, le- he left everything behind other than the Nutella and the walkie-talkies. <laughs> and a jacket. And yeah. a jacket that he seemed really jazzed about. Um, so, But in any case, it does show that he has a higher, you know, he's he's on board with surviving. He's getting a little bit more courageous and self-sufficient just in interacting um, with uh, Yubin. And so, you know, they ultimately have a plan because she's noticed that the eighth floor is supposedly empty. And so they're going to get there. I think their plan is slightly flawed because there's just so many zombies. But she turns out to be this crazy. What? Yeah. What is going on in that scene? Where I'm like, what? She is so his opposite that it's almost a little too much. Like she is calm and collected while he is bumbling and kind of mm-hmm. crazy and talking to himself and she's just kind of camped for some unknown reason in her living room instead of in the bedroom yeah and um 
has like booby trapped her her front door and has a tiny axe that she seems pretty adept with. But once mm-hmm. she hits the the courtyard, but she does in one bullet like you know, yeah, repel move. Uh, she goes completely. I don't know what the word is. She's just like a commando. We don't yeah. know anything about her background, but it doesn't doesn't seem to be explained that she is an expert at martial arts or anything because but she just handles all these zombies and suddenly it does seem like there's a million zombies down there as soon as Mm -hmm. they get down there and there weren't any apparently before this right um but this is a this is a good scene because it finally gets these two characters together and he finally kind of his his weapon of choice is a golf club which i'm not a huge fan of but he 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 makes it work for him you know yeah, and then they, um, you know, and they're they're a pretty good team together. He's impressed, like wildly impressed by her, as he should be. Um, yeah. And they end up, I mean, it's interesting because they do end up on the eighth floor, which by comparison to, you know, to his floor, where everything is sort of like blood strewn and destroyed and there's like roving packs of zombies. The whole eighth floor looks pristine. Totally. Um, it's kind of like they're in a totally different apartment complex, which makes you wonder why. Um, and then, but... They find him out, find them out pretty quickly, and they end up into, um, and this is the twist of the story where I'm like, ah, um, but they end up in, hmm. a, another survivor helps them out, um, and he lets them in, and, you know, I, I don't know, it, like. Yeah, there's some this, problems here. Yeah. I mean, I get why he helps them, because he wants to feed his zombie wife, like, yeah, I get it, I get that, but how does he just happen to have whatever it is he drugs them with at hand? Right within seconds of finding out that they're like, has he just been waiting well, for somebody else to show up so he could and drug also, them? He, and did he put it into the sealed food, I guess? Cause they <laughs> unseal it right in front of you and he drank the water. So I guess I was just kind of confused about how that happened. Yeah. I was also um, interested to hear that the word spam is also the word for spam in Korean. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was pretty funny. And also that that's what, uh, that's what, that's what Junu was interested in. Uh, I would like the spam. Yeah, very, uh, very curious. Um, so this guy, they, he's super stocked with uh, food and water. He does say, oh, did you, are you here for the rescue? Have, you must have heard about the rescue. We kind of then put that down to him BSing them because he drugs yeah. them and tries to feed feed them to his wife immediately afterwards. Right. But it turns out he wasn't necessarily lying or it's a coincidence. The, but I, I feel like, well, first, a couple of things. Yubin should be dead. Yubin should have been eaten by the wife. She had her hands zip tied. Yep. She manages to keep the wife away, even though she's on this leash that gets re- released. Uh, Junu should have shot the man. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the gunshots are what draw every zombie in the entire area. Yep. So there's a few conflicting things here, but... I Also, these zombies make a lot of noise just amongst themselves, so I'm not sure why some noises attract them. Like when well, Junu closes the door to his apartment one time... Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think it depends on how close in proximity, maybe. And the gunshots make sense because they're yeah. kind of like a staccato sound. But they're going to they're going to echo gonna off of echo, all the buildings. So how would they? Fi- I guess they sort of said that they had um, better hearing or something weird like that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But um, but I agree with you. I think that they use this whenever they want to, but not exactly consistently. So and there's also the odd scene before they've hooked up together. When they're like, oh, it must be raining. Let's go put our, our pots and pans outside. And then they're like, it's not raining. And all the zombies are just running for, for no, no reason. Yeah, like I thought that was strange and they never really explain it. 
Yeah, yeah I was curious. So, uh, so yeah. the the third act scene of introducing you know the bad survivor and his hungry zombie wife gets resolved, but then you don't really have time to enjoy the fact that he had an apartment full of food and water before right. they hear the helicopters and, and have to run again, right. which is. I don't know. This could have been a, a better second act thing, maybe Correct. if if they could have shoehorned it in there. Yeah, I agree. Um, but in any case, I mean, they they show them and they do the dramatic thing where it's like they they feel like they're done for, and then of course they hear the helicopters and aha, they found the will, will to live because before that she's like asking him to off her. Oh right. Um, but and you know, and they make their way up and they try to make it pretty dramatic in their dramatic rescue from the rooftop. Um, I will say, like, in terms of like zombie choreography and makeup and how um whoever this group of people is that they got to do it, and you do see similar you see the same people over and yeah. over again, even they're there, it's supposed to be different. Um, but they're really they're really incredible in terms of their movement and I and I liked the choreography as they're spilling out onto the roof and how they do other things they're terrifying um and between I thought- kingdom and B- train to busan and this movie and i'm sure there are others south korea just appears appears to have a bottomless pool of amazing zombie zombie actors, actors yeah. zombie actors they're here i wonder if some of these were they probably overlap they're like i've got this skill set where i can uh, be yeah. i can be this awesome terrifying zombie i was in 10 and, episodes of kingdom guys i know you, i know. need me on this show um but i so i was impressed with that um and then of course they get rescued and and that's all good um and they do sort of this weird fade away where it's that people so this is the thing that does not make sense to me so you know supposedly they're capturing and triangulating people who have um who have been putting who put on social media before everything went out that they were survivors mm-hmm. well first of all how do you know they're still surviving would you take the risk to send anybody in to get he them took there's that like picture on day one or two yeah right? and also he took away all of his identifying information he didn't say where he was he like deleted it all or maybe i'm wrong or maybe he entered it in i don't know but in any case i might have been on the cardboard Mm, oh maybe but uh, in any case i can't imagine that um they would go in and risk everything to rescue one or two two people sadly i think that they probably would have just left them to to die especially Um, when there was that yeah, it was pretty. That was pretty close. And he's yeah. not even in the same building he was in when he took the picture and, and uploaded it. But maybe right. they were looking around and they didn't see. You know, yeah, it's hard to say. But I, I, I do think it's a little bit absurd that um, they're like, oh, yeah, use social media to get rescued when he hasn't been able to get a signal or right. <laughs> Wi-Fi right. for a better part of a month at this point. Yeah. Yep. Um, but anyway, that's how it ended. I did like. Um, a lot of things about this movie. I did like the interaction between him and Yubin. I thought that that was like some good, uh, some good writing and some good acting between the two of them. Um, I did like the choreography. I liked the setting, and I think that they they utilized it pretty well. There were just a few mysteries to it for me um, that I was kind of like, huh. 
Um, and who knows why they decided to do some of that. I think just, you know, out of necessity maybe, but, um, but overall it was kind of, it was fun. And I think that people would enjoy it. I'm not shocked. Um, well, I am a little shocked that it, given, given some of what's out there, but the fact that this was like in February and South Korea is really close to where the epicenter of the whole COVID thing was, it's sort of surprising to me that this, uh, took number one, but maybe that's part of why and felt a little dangerous and whatever. And then, um, you do have the theme that ultimately the government slash military is going to save you, right? Um, but but then, you know, to me watching this now, I mean, it's really hard not to draw some of the, <laughs> the, the parallels to certain parts of our situation, which are relatively mild by comparison. But um, yeah, and I think that's something know. that the, the filmmakers want you to draw those connections at this point. You know, yeah. the, the being shut in your apartment, the the fear of going outside, the um, seeing what happens when other people go outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, but anyway, I enjoyed it, and I'm, I'm glad that uh, this is as successful as it is, and it seems like it's getting an awful lot of play on Netflix right now. So, um, And I have to say, I think I'm, I'm much more open to watching this right now than I may have been in, in February, so or February or March. Uh, so I think that they did a pretty good job, and I'm curious to see this other film now um, to see if it's a similarly structured or if there are like different decisions that they made with it. So it's we'll coming. See. Well, it's scheduled to be released October 16th on video on demand. So I think we'll get a chance to see it. October is going to be a pretty big month. Yeah. We're going to have our hands full, man. I mean, walking dead just alone between the world beyond and uh, fear the walking dead. Yeah, we will. Yeah. But we'll so. make it work. Um, anything else to add about this film? How, what were you know your what? sort of final thoughts? Just that it was it was entertaining. It was fun. It's it's a small film, in that it's not a huge story. It's not. It doesn't rise to the level of Night Is the World as we've established, but it's still enjoyable. And I really enjoyed the guy who plays Jun. Oh, Junu. I think that he is. Um, he's got a goofy charisma. He's the scene great. where he's eating the spam and is like acknowledging how grateful he is to the stranger who's about to try and feed him to his wife. I think mm-hmm. the guy just has these amazing facial Face, expressions. I know. Um, actually, one of my favorite scenes is like when he eats his final packet of noodles or when him and yeah. Yubin are, are fighting over how to make noodles. That was pretty good. That was funny, too. She Her character is a little more problematic because they don't develop it enough. I mean, she's a total badass. Oh. We get that, but it's not a developed character. It has no... Has they very few soft edges. It and it would be nice to get a little bit of background there, a little bit yeah. more than they give us, because they give us very, very narrow and broad, like narrow character sketches and just sort of like broad statements by her. Um, but they never get into it that much, so you can see certain things about her, but we don't know as much as we know about Junu. Yeah. Um, which is probably deliberate because I don't think they want you to think too hard about how she became a martial arts expert or whatever it was because they just yeah. want to sort of build her into this kind of crazy superhero. Um, I'll be honest with you, even while I was watching it, I was like, oh, maybe she is maybe she is a figment of his imagination because it oh, was so God. sort of out of the... It seemed like so out of the like nowhere that she suddenly was this action hero um that i was a little bit put off by it but you know hey it's it's fine and i guess it makes it for, for a little bit more exciting um in some ways so um but yeah so that's all i will say about that um, final piece of crit- criticism is in 20 odd 20 something days his hair did grow a little bit 
but oh, yeah. his blonde hair does not Correct. appear to be showing roots at any point. I mean, Stuart, maybe he really just maintains that because that's important to him. Without um, water? I don't know. Can you dye your hair without water? I don't know. Probably if you just have peroxide, I guess. Yeah, okay. Um, you might burn your head a little bit, though. I'll leave that one alone, then. Um, but, but agreed. I thought that the same thing. And we all know how quickly hair grows, given our lack of haircut timing hmm. uh, that we've had to go through, at least here. So, yeah. So all right. that's all I will say about that. What do you want to talk about next time? Next time, we can go back to... Um, Lovecraft Country and do a couple episodes. I feel like that might be fun to get back into a little bit, but then we'll need to, (laughs) we're going to just kind of go back and forth a little bit for a while. All right. Perfect. So uh, next, next up is the next episode of Lovecraft Country. Um, If you have any thoughts of hashtag alive, send us a message at reanimatedpodcast at gmail.com or leave a a note on our site, reanimatedpodcast.com, or you can tweet at us, reanimatedpcast. Thanks for listening, and ciao. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.